Well, happy Thanksgiving and welcome. Welcome here to the river. Uh, my name is John Prickett and uh, my lovely wife here, Jesse. Um, we were, so actually, uh, you may have met me up till this point and maybe not, but uh, we've been around the river for three, four weeks now and we have loved every minute of it. Um, we are just so thankful to be here. Actually, we were in uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area over Thanksgiving. That's where we both grew up. And as people, as we were having Thanksgiving exercises and that sort of thing, not physical exercises, like, although we need those, and I needed those, um, just exercises in Thanksgiving. Uh, a real area of thankfulness for Jesse and I was the way that this community has welcomed us in. Uh, so quickly, we were on a bit of a, uh, just a whirlwind tour of living in different cities, getting married, moving to Waltham all at the same time, and uh, it's been so great to be welcomed um, and to quickly feel like insiders, uh, not outsiders. And um, Sean, as many of you know, the lead pastor here at the river, he is up at the harbor which is the church that I've been with for the past five years, actually. And uh, we are part of the same movement of churches here in the greater Boston area. And uh, so he sends his happy Thanksgiving as well. Um, but uh, he's excited to be able to kind of be fathering some of the different churches in our movement here as well, which many of you know he does so, so well. Um, on that topic of... Uh, just being insiders quickly and not just remaining outsiders. I want you to know something about, about myself and when I preach. I am very open to some quality shoutback. Okay, so as I, as I preach, you know, you know if, if it's not worthy of it, don't force it. I, I don't need the pity shoutback. But if you are feeling it and digging it, I am all for uh, different languages. It doesn't need to be in English. If you've got a different first language... Bring it, the praise God or the amen in uh, whatever language, language you've got there. Um, why don't you pray with me as we, as we get into God's word. Oh Lord, you're so good as we've been singing about. Sometimes it's, it's hard for us to live in that reality and experience uh, that goodness, even though we know that you're good. So, Lord, would you help us this morning to really experience um, and to know with our whole being that you are good. And Holy Spirit, help personalize this idea of you being good to us in, um, in ways that we can really understand as your children. So we ask for your help, Holy Spirit. And we love you, Jesus. And uh, in all that we do, we want to glorify you. Father, and so we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, my wife and I, uh, we love to travel. And in fact, one of the main non-negotiables of us being able to date was that I had to be open to traveling in the future. I was actually expecting a long list, and that was, one, that was like one of the main things. So I thought, you know, that's okay. I love traveling. That, that'll work. I can take the next step forward. Um, but, but a couple years ago, um, I had an opportunity to spend a whole summer in Sri Lanka. 
And so that's a, a little island off the coast of India. And for those of you who have ever had cross-cultural experiences or been in a different country, you may know that it's pretty easy to step into a situation where misunderstanding can happen. You say one thing and uh, someone takes it to mean a completely different thing. Uh, misunderstanding, being misunderstood is not necessarily uh, a foreign experience, no pun intended, uh, when, you're, when you're traveling and across cultures. So as I was in Sri Lanka, I had this one experience. I, I was actually, I was getting ready to preach on a Sunday morning and it was about 30 minutes. We weren't in total bush, but we were, we were a little more remote, kind of in some more village areas. And my Sri Lankan meal from the night before was, uh, was sending me some messages, if you know what I mean. Despite, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not good. I, I, my stomach is in knots right now. I didn't, didn't want this to happen 30 minutes before preaching. And so I, I go to the main pastor, and I'm like, um, hey, uh, do you, do you, is there a restroom? Could I go to the restroom before? I could really use a restroom before I preach. This is kind of important right now. And so what he does is he, he takes me over to his office and kind of opens the door and lets me in. And uh, he goes over to this really nice padded chair, and he starts, like, padding on the chair. And like pointing at it, like, here you go, here you go. And so I'm like watching this unfold. My stomach, it, you know, I'm getting that like, you know, having trouble thinking, kind of like, okay. Uh, and the gears are turning. I'm just, okay, uh, what's happening here? And so I turn him and I'm just like, this is the restroom? And he goes, yes, yes, yes. Uh, you can rest. Here, this is a chair for you to rest. And I was like, oh, restroom. Okay. Uh, I need a toilet. <laughs> is, there, is there a toilet? And he just goes, oh, 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 no, this is not, toilet's over here. So he goes over and shows me where the toilet is. And uh, very thankful we got through that misunderstanding. And uh, we're able to, you know, get ready to go well and, and preach well that morning. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get in a setting where you're misunderstood and it, you can laugh about it. And it, it's okay. Uh, but other times, you can be misunderstood, and it can actually be pretty painful. Uh, it can really hurt if you are trying to, you know, communicate something or do something that you, a real, just care for someone. And it's, it's really misunderstood. Um, I can remember a time in college when I had just joined a youth ministry team. And um, now, I may have come onto that team a little overzealously, with excitement at that period of my life, but I came on this team, and in my heart, I was very submitted to the leader. I really just wanted to benefit the team. I'd done some youth ministry up till that point in my life, and so in our team times, topics would come up, and I think, I can contribute something well. I was excited about being able to contribute, just some past experience, some thoughts, um, and so as these things would come up, I would contribute these things, and Again, maybe a little too, with a little too much excitement um, or passion. But what happened was the leader was pretty threatened by this. And actually, after a couple of these exchanges, I, he would pull me aside and kind of say that he felt like I was attacking him and that he was kind of being kind of um, 
embarrassed in the midst of the group. And I don't know if, if there was some truth to how that was being perceived, but I can know that in my heart, I was, that was not my intention. I was so far away from wanting to communicate that. And I was totally submitted. I was actually trying to help the team. And my effort to help was being understood as something else. And that was difficult. When we experience these times of misunderstanding, it can be hurtful. It can cause pain. It can lead to brokenness in relationship. It was, it was difficult for us to know how to function uh, through that. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where maybe you've been misunderstood. You've been in a context where you needed a bathroom and you got a restroom. No, just kidding. But, um, you know, but you were trying to really serve someone and someone took it as an offense or you're trying to share a real encouraging word and, and someone didn't receive it that way. Um, it can be difficult. And, you know, sometimes... It's actually like that in our relationship with God, where God is interacting with us. He's interacting with humanity, and he's telling us things about who he is in Scripture, in his word. And yet, even though everything that he does, everything that he communicates is completely and abundantly good, there's times where he gets very misunderstood. And we can really misunderstand God at times. And there's a place where, you know, it actually, uh, it breaks God's heart at times when, when we can misunderstand who he is and, uh, and take offense at him, even though he is so good. And so uh, one of the reasons that Jesus actually came into this world was to clear that up. To say, even though it's, there's the potential for misunderstanding, and that God, even though he's totally good, can be misunderstood, Jesus came to be as clear as possible and say, this is what God is like. This is what it looks like for God to be good. And that's why we're in this I Am series right now. We're saying, let's take some weeks to look. It's just as clear as can be. Jesus is saying, I am this. I am the light of the world. I am the door. And then we've been unpacking those. And I am the good shepherd. So last week, Sean began uh, this section, this, this, um, just this portion of scripture about the good shepherd and how good Jesus is. But we thought there's a lot in here. And this is important for us to spend two weeks on. That it's so important that we get it uh, settled about how he is good, but then also how maybe he's been misunderstood. And how we've misunderstood him, whether it be based on our circumstances or just lies that the enemy, Sean talked about that last week, lies that the enemy has, uh, has brought. So if you could turn with me to John 10, uh, Sean preached last week on verses 1 through 10. We're going to pick up where he left off and we're going to look at 11 through 16. Again, that's John 10, 11 through 16. We're going to be looking at how good God is, how the good shepherd, how Jesus is, is good, but is often and sadly misunderstood. So what are some of those ways that we can tend to misunderstand who God is and who Jesus is? And what does this good mean? You know, what does it mean that he is good? What does that look like? 
in our lives. So John 10, 11 to 16. Uh, it should be, it'll be on the screen there. If you've got a phone or a hard copy Bible, feel free to turn there. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Verse 14, Jesus says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my Father knows me and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. So there's four main characters in this passage. You get him right there at the outset in verse 11 and the beginning of verse 12. You've got the good shepherd, then you have the sheep, and then you have this, uh, it talks about a hired hand and a wolf, a wolf that can come. So last week, Sean uh, really unpacked some of this idea of the shepherd and the sheep and how they interact and things like that. We're going to zero in a little bit on that relationship between the good shepherd and how he's good, and how Jesus is good. So you've got these four. Uh, the good shepherd is Jesus. The sheep, those are the people of God, uh, God's people. Throughout history, uh, the people who belong to God, as we see here, who know, who know God. The hired hand, this is mainly referring to people who uh, may try to you know, be a leader or take care of God's people, but they just don't care for God's people in the same way that Jesus does, especially those whose hearts might not necessarily be in a good spot, even as they're trying to, to care for God's people. And then you've got a wolf. And so Sean talked last week about the thief, and here you've got Satan. There's an enemy who kind of comes and attacks The bottom line is that Jesus always cares. So he's painting, you know, he's working with these different characters, these different different parts here. In verse 13, it says, The hired hand does what? Runs away when the wolf comes to attack because he's working only for the money. But what's the real reason there? He doesn't really care about the sheep. You can see it up on the screen. He doesn't really care about the sheep. So I find that one of the ways that we often misunderstand God, uh, maybe in our head we don't, but at least in how we live our lives, is that we don't believe and live out of the place that He always cares. He always cares deeply for you in what you're going through. He's always a good shepherd who cares deeply. So I grew up in a family that loved Jesus. We went to church. Um, it was a great church. They loved Jesus. And um, it was really in my early teenage years, though, where 
I started to think, am I really going to pursue this for myself? Or am I just going to kind of go my own way? Uh, Part of my story was I just had this real uh, longing desire for acceptance at an early age in, in school settings. And it wasn't necessarily the coolest thing in the settings that I was to be really following Jesus um, fully. And so at an early age, I had this desire uh, for acceptance to be, um, yeah, really accepted. And so I, I remember people, hearing people in my church setting, speaking about, sp- speaking about God as if they knew him, not just they knew about him. And so people would talk about Jesus like they actually had a relationship with him. Like he was a person who, though they couldn't see him with their eyes, that they walked with him, they talked with him, that they, they knew his love, that he would guide them. I remember thinking to myself, if that's really what Christianity is all about, a relationship with Jesus, and we can know him, and he can know me, and I can kind of relate to him, Uh, I've maybe experienced a taste of that, but I've never really experienced that. And that sounds really good. If that's what it's all about, then I don't want to kind of choose something else uh, before I've at least given that a shot. So I I don't know where I was taught this or how I learned about this, but at 13, I think I was, 13 or 14, I, I got a notebook and I just would lay on my floor. I would demonstrate right now, but I'm afraid of messing up the mic. And so, but just picture, I would just lay on my floor and I would have a pen and a notebook and I would just say, I would, I would pretend that Jesus was in the room. I mean, he was in the room, but in my mind, I wasn't sold on that. I wasn't sure of it. And so I'm sitting, I'm laying there and I would say, okay, I'm going to act as though Jesus, you really are here. And so as I would do that, if Jesus was there, I would talk to Jesus. And so I would start talking to him. And this was the real step of, I don't know about this. I'm not really sure. And that is, I would then pause and I would ask God, I'd say, do you have anything to say back to me? Um, Jesus, do you have any thoughts? I'm not going to rush this process or I'm going to try really hard not to force anything. But uh, I'm just going to jot down. Any thoughts that might come to mind? I'm not sure where I picked this up, but my thinking was, and I would believe this all the more today, that God created me with a mind and an imagination, and so wouldn't that be a great place for him to speak to me on a personal level? Um, would be that he would just speak through that. But God's big enough. He created me. He can do that. And so, so as I would do this, I would start to jot down. Uh, and I'd say, wow, that's interesting. As I just focus on Jesus, I feel like he's, he's actually communicating to me. And um, I wouldn't always be sure of this. And anyway, the, the point over time, um, I'm still doing that. <laughs> and I, I found Jesus. And he, he walked with me. And he was, he was so good. And I found that he was real. And he knew it was actually in that place of acceptance and a desire for that that I found Jesus really first started to meet me. Um, and the gospel came alive to me as I started to realize, well, he accepts me fully just the way I am. And one of the things that really struck me during that season and continues to today as I was getting to know Jesus is that he has always, when I, when I interact with him, he always cares for me so much more deeply than I often or would give him credit for. He's so caring. 
And I remember thinking, okay, so the first thing that's going to come to mind is, is the list of 20 things that I do wrong. I'll deal with all of those, confess everyone, repent of everyone, and then maybe we can talk about some other things that are like really on my heart or that are my real fears or insecurities and things like that. And don't get me wrong, Jesus would want to talk about those things, and he, he would and does bring those up. But it would, he would usually lead out with how much he loved me and how much he cared for me and how committed to me he was. And then from that place of getting settled in his care for me and for everything that was going on in my life, then we would start to work through the, the sin issues, the addiction issue, the insecurity issues, and things like that. Um, and I, did, I, found, I, I began to learn that the Good Shepherd really is so, so caring. And I think it's important to note that in this passage in John 10, uh, he's connecting his care for the sheep. And just a few, you know, breaths before, Jesus is, he begins it by saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. As if Jesus is, is making an important point here, that as he uh, continues to live his life, he wants everyone who's talking to you to know that as he gets to the point where he's going to have to lay his life down on the cross and take torment and take the punishment and the weight of sin on his life, that at the core it's because he cares for each one of those people that he's talking to. That the reason he is going to the cross is because he cares so deeply for each person, for, for those that he created, um, especially uh, his flock, his people, that he cares so deeply. And so uh, there's an element of the good shepherd that as he, we're going to talk about this in just a second, that he's with us and he wants to assure you and speak to you in the moment that he's a good shepherd and he cares for you. But there's also a place that as you walk through the times in your life where you may be tempted to misunderstand who God really is, that he cares about the intimate details, the big things, he cares deeply. Um, there's times where by faith, you're going to have to look back to the cross and the sacrifice that he made and say, he cares for me because he sacrificed his life. He laid down and I can go, I can take that to the bank that he cares for what I'm going through because he went to the cross. He cares for me deeply because the good shepherd lays down his life. Some people can just talk the talk and they can just tell you, oh yeah, I care for you. I care for you. You ever you know, people in your life, I care for you. But then when it gets difficult, and it would require sacrifice on their end to be able to keep walking together, they're gone. You know, they're, they're not there. Um, but Jesus is saying, no way. I am so committed, and I care for you so much, I will walk the walk. I did walk the walk. I walked the walk all the way to the cross. And because I did, I didn't back out when I went to the cross, so I'm not backing out now. So I'm going to continue to walk with you. I already laid down my life for you. So we can know uh, and not be misunderstood in that he cares so deeply. It's part of what the good shepherd, who the good shepherd is, is that he cares deeply about us and he always does. 
So just to get that in our minds here, uh, I just want you to give a good declaration with me, okay? Here's what we're going to say. I need, just need you all to say it out loud with me. Uh, I'll tell you what to say, and then we're going to say it, okay? If you don't want to say it, don't say it. But it just, you know, just, just go for it. It's powerful. Um, the good shepherd always cares about me, okay? So we just need to remind ourselves about that. So here we go. Why don't you say it with me? The good shepherd always cares about me. Now, I want you to turn to someone next to you and not say the good shepherd cares about you. I want you to tell them the good shepherd cares about me and just let them know. Just tell us. Just real quick, let them know, those near you. That's right. That's right. Good work, good work. Obviously, it is great. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it is great to remind each other that the good shepherd cares about them and other people. But sometimes it's really easy for us to have faith for others when we don't have faith for our own lives and we forget in our own lives. And so I want to give you permission to remind yourself of the way that the good shepherd cares about you. And, uh, and he really does. So let's move on to the, to the next um, area here where Jesus is wanting to be crystal clear about what the good shepherd is, who the good shepherd is. Um, I want to reread these verses here, 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I want you to notice what he talks about with the hired hand here. He repeats something three times. Quiz next week. No. Um, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So what's stuck out there? Anyone get it? You don't have to say it out loud. But abandon, abandoning, running away. Jesus is trying to... uh, kind of set himself up against what would happen with the hired hand, with someone who's not fully committed. But Jesus is saying the good shepherd never leaves. The hired hand, you put your trust in other people, will leave at times. They'll leave, especially if, if there's an attack coming. But, the hired, but, but Jesus, the good shepherd, will never leave. So one of the important things here about the good shepherd is that he never leaves. He never abandons us. Sometimes we think that when it gets most difficult, those are the moments when we're like, oh, I don't know if God's with me anymore. I think he's left me. I don't know if he's here. But this is actually saying that in those moments when the wolf is attacking, those are when he's not going to abandon. And he's going to be there as surely as he ever has been. I had a conversation with someone in their 20s Uh, a couple weeks ago, and this person, their life was, they'd been in crisis mode for a long time, longer than they should have been in crisis mode for. So you just, kind of every area of their life just felt like it was falling apart. Financially, relationally, academically, uh, the list could go on. It was just things were falling apart. Um, To add to this, I, was a, I walked really closely with this person, 
um, for, for a long period of time. And then I've actually gotten married, moved to Waltham, joined the river. And this person was just expressing how, how that was challenging in the midst of all that they were going through. And, and then as we got, we kept peeling the layers back and he was sharing, you know, I just feel like the, I've had pastors and leaders and mentors just kind of leave me and abandon me uh, over and over in my life. And it's just really difficult. And uh, I was super grateful for him to be sharing that. Um, and honestly, my, my initial thought was to be like super pastoral in that moment. I was pastoral. But I, I really felt the Holy Spirit um, leading me to remind him in love and in grace uh, that even though those, some people had really legitimately abandoned and left him, uh, other people, it was more legitimate, and other people had really stuck with him. But I, I, was, I felt the Lord was saying to remind him that Jesus was always there to be his mentor, his pastor, his coach, his helper, his, his guide. And uh, so in love, I was able to just say, hey, I'm so thankful you shared that. And I, say, I, I just keep having this running in my head to remind you that, that Jesus actually won't ever leave you in, in all the stuff that you're going through and in your past. And so I said, I know, but just because I haven't experienced people really stick with me over the long haul, I have trouble believing that. And I said, Let's, would you mind if we just prayed? And we just asked the Lord for any encouragement or kind of what his thoughts were on this. And so, uh, so as we started praying, um, uh, sometimes when I pray, uh, I will get like a, a picture will come to mind. Or I'll just see something in my imagination. I'll just kind of start seeing something. Sometimes it might just be whatever, I'm daydreaming. Other times, it's a way that I've noticed that the Holy Spirit will speak to me. And uh, it's, it feels very natural, actually. I'll just be like, wow, I'm asking for how to pray for this person, and I'm seeing this picture, and then I'll share it. So this, was, this happened, and I saw this maze in my mind. And I saw this, this guy standing in the maze, and he's trying to make his way through the maze. And he's really struggling. He's not making any progress making his way through this maze. And in the maze, uh, Jesus is always with him. Uh, but he's behind him or like right beside him. And so either this guy is kind of walking around the maze and Jesus is with him, but this guy's calling the shots and he's trying to figure it out. He's like inspecting which way to turn. He's trying to figure it out. He just can't get out of this maze. And, or Jesus is like right there, kind of companion. Uh, and then what I saw was Jesus step in front of him and essentially communicate, uh, I'm the only one who knows the way out of this maze. I'm going to need you to start listening to me step by step. And I will guide you out of the maze in your life, but I'm going to need you to listen to each step. And it's going to be difficult, but I need you to, to listen. And so um, gently, I, I, I was just kind of praying, that, and I was just saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Um, and so we prayed that in this next season that he would, it would be a new season of letting the good shepherd guide the steps of his life. And that he would, it wouldn't be the easiest season because he'd have to stay close and he wouldn't see how to get out of the maze. But the good shepherd was promising him that I will guide you the next step. 
and I know the way out. You will make those turns effectively and felt the promise at the end was that this is not the normal way your life has to be to live in constant crisis mode. And, uh, but you have to follow me and listen kind of in making the way out. This is uh, a, a main area where the good shepherd wants to speak to us to say, I have not left you, never have, never will. I don't abandon you. I won't flee. But as I'm here with you, I care for you, and I want to guide you. And I want to speak to you uh, if, if you'll listen. Uh, the sheep, Sean talked about this last week, that the sheep would hear the shepherd's voice and that they would follow, that they follow him, and that we can kind of determine that. And so uh, this is what I want us to speak over ourselves. The good shepherd never leaves me. Okay, the good shepherd never leaves me. We need to remind ourselves of that. So go for it. Let the good shepherd never leaves me. Okay, one more time. The good shepherd never leaves me. Okay, now you can just tell your neighbor, the good shepherd never leaves you. Just, I'm, I know you're just itching to encourage. So the good shepherd cares for us, always. The good shepherd never leaves us. He guides us. He's with us. He speaks to us. Uh, the last one, and we're going to make this point really quickly uh, because of time, but the last is this, that the good shepherd knows you completely, intimately, and he understands you. So at the beginning, I talked about ways that we can feel misunderstood, how God can, in some ways, he can be misunderstood. The way that I have found to deal with being misunderstood, even that experience that I told you about in college, that was hurtful, that was painful, it was difficult to work through some of those things where I was trying to contribute to a team and it was kind of rubbing against some insecurity and we are having some conflict. Um, the way that I moved forward into freedom from that place of misunderstanding was not forcing every person to understand me. And saying, you have to understand me. You have to understand me. Everyone needs to understand me for me to feel secure and able to move forward. What I found, the antidote, in a sense, for, for that difficulty and misunderstanding was to know that he understands me. That the good shepherd understands me. And when I started to realize in those specific moments that the good shepherd actually understood my motivation. He understood where I was coming from. He understood the dynamics and that he was able to guide and speak into that. Um, the good shepherd knows us intimately. The good shepherd knows our community. He knows this people, the river, intimately. He knows what we need. And I, I think it's a, a, a good word that uh, in a place even with a bit of diversity in this community, which is so neat and so awesome, uh, I, I was thinking about this week because the passage ends with, they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And I can imagine that in a room this size, regardless of the languages spoken, color of skin, economic status, regardless of that, uh, there's a potential for some misunderstanding in a room this size. But how neat would it be if we were, the, if we were a people 
who with every experience of misunderstanding that we have in our lives, even that we have in this community, we first went to the good shepherd and listened to his voice. And we said, what do you, do you understand what's going on? I feel really misunderstood, good shepherd, but do you understand me? What, what is your voice? I think it's really, there's a connection that they will listen to my voice, there will be one flock. That if we're all listening just to our own voice or that enemy who wants to divide us, but when we listen to his voice, the good shepherd's voice, his desire is to bring us into a people who are one flock, who walk together. And so this is uh, the, last, the last one. The good shepherd knows me completely. And then we're going to go, the good shepherd knows us completely. So here we go. The good shepherd knows me completely. The good shepherd knows us completely. So as we move forward, he understands us. He's going to speak um, into our lives and bring us together as one flock. Because it's what the good shepherd does. He knows each individual sheep. Then his desire is to bring that flock together. To walk together, to be protected by him together. If, uh, if the team, the worship team, could come forward, um, that would be great. Uh, we are, we're going to have just a little time of response here, where we can respond uh, to this, to the word, and some of the truth that we're getting from John 10 here, that he is the good shepherd. I want you to think about uh, those three areas uh, that God can often be misunderstood, that he doesn't actually always care for you that um, he leaves you, that he's not there for you in the crisis moments of life, in the chaos, in the challenge, in the struggle, in the sickness, in the whatever, um, or that he doesn't really understand you, and that he doesn't really know you, um, and that you can't really know him. Uh, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight if there's one of those three areas in your life that you need to bring to God this morning. And so as we have this final song of worship, I just want you to kind of uh, offer those in your own way to the Lord. And say, and just tell him. And say, because he, he understands you and knows you completely anyway. So I really don't feel like you care for me, God. Sometimes I really struggle with whether you actually care for me. Uh, just share that with him. And then you can even ask him and can you show me how you care for me? Or just ask him, would you personalize your care for me? Would you, would you show me this week how you really are there for me and won't leave me this week? Or I need to know that you understand me. You know, how do, what's going on in this situation? Um, we always love to give an opportunity for people to, for you to receive prayer in praying through those things. Sometimes that can be a little difficult uh, just on your own. You might want some help. So we'll, there will be faith group leaders and uh, people on staff and things like that who will have an eye for you if you're coming forward and um, wanting to receive prayer. But if you come forward, that's kind of the signal that you, uh, you'd like some prayer and someone to come, come alongside you and just pray into some of these things. So why don't we stand up and we'll finish with this uh, final song.